Hi, I'm Emma, and I'm talking to you all today as an experienced HR and OD professional who within my career led a wellbeing movement within a corporate organisation following the devastating Canterbury earthquakes. One aspect of the wellbeing movement was to build the leader's leadership capability to be able to lead their teams through ambiguity and change. We partnered with a number of organisations to gather both qualitative and quantitative data and during this period the data evidenced that levels of stress and feeling overloaded decreased and organisational engagement increased, voluntary attrition reduced and sick leave tracked below the rest of the company average. The complexity may be different to Christchurch, but the fact remains that COVID-19 is forcing our leaders and teams to step into the unknown, particularly in relation to self-isolating and working from home for a period of two weeks. Who knows, this may increase to more. Whether we are a leader used to leading remote teams or an employee used to working from home or not, issues will arise and it's how we rise to meet these challenges and frustrations that will be remembered and may impact our mental health negatively or positively. It raises the questions about how this experience will change our organisations, how resilient is our business and how mentally resilient are our people. Rather than wait for the next engagement survey, we have an opportunity now to be asking broader questions and provoking thoughtful discussion in regards to how leaders lead and teams support each other through this time of uncertainty. Let's put those plans in place now. I know that there is so much information out there that is accessible to us all, yet I felt compelled to share my learnings and reflections with my HR community and to share some top tips and tools. Tips and tools that I know have helped both myself and leaders and teams in the organisations I have worked with throughout my career to keep well during challenging and uncertain times. I hope that you find this useful and if so, please do share. The broader context for me is the number of people that already suffered from mental health issues. The research suggests that one in five people already suffer from a mental health issue. And we've all been in those rooms with the medical experts on resilience presentations when we were asked to raise our hands if we know anyone with a mental health issue. And in my experience, everyone has raised their hand. Along with the rise in research into the feeling of loneliness, I started to think how we could support our leaders and teams to flourish during the isolation period and beyond. How we equip our leaders and teams with tools that will enable virtual teams to connect in a meaningful way. And to create space for teams to identify what is working well, what is not working well, what needs to change and to feel empowered to make those changes, to adapt to the new challenges that we face into. When I say meaningful, this will mean different things to different people. Take a moment to think, what does connecting in a meaningful way look like, feel like, sound like to you? For me, working remotely, it's about how I feel after each conversation or call. Was it balanced? Did we achieve what we needed? Did I feel heard? Did I listen? How engaged was I in the call? If feedback is being given, how was that delivered? in a way that is supportive and provides an opportunity for me to grow and develop? Or was it delivered in a critical way that has released my inner critic? 
Organisations that have adopted a Leave Loudly policy in agile working environments have reinforced the importance of connecting with each other and supporting others' flexible work arrangements. How do I want my day to end? And what overall does a, day, a good day look like for me when I'm working from home if I'm not able to say goodbye in person to my colleagues? For myself, I've learnt what my non-negotiables are for every day, how they need to increase through challenging times. And I am also reflective that my environment and the season in which I am in influences how I achieve my non-negotiables. I've also reflected through my own personal tragedies, the importance of being resilient and the ability to not only bounce back, but to be able to recognise when I have needed help and support and to put that plan in place. When a plan is in place that has been shared with others that care about me, I've felt more in control and have maintained a sense of calm and clarity, which is what we all want for our people during these times of uncertainty. So thinking about COVID-19 and how we support our leaders and teams. This is where culture is so important. Our leaders are key holders to culture and supporting our people during this time will impact our retention and engagement results. But above all, and I know you'll feel the same, it's about wanting to add value to our people by doing the right thing. Balancing the need for the commercial outputs with being compassionate and showing care. Are You Okay Day is not one day a year, it's every day. And now more than ever, it needs to be every day. But how will you achieve that working remotely? It's not as easy as popping for your morning coffee and checking in or swinging by someone's desk and connecting. We've all worked for leaders who are fabulous and have trusted, measured us on outcomes, provided a safe environment to talk through any issue or concern, or when we've been unsure how to approach something, have given guidance or coached, and then lifted us up and celebrated our success with us when we've risen to the challenge. There's also the flip side of those leaders who are self-absorbed, send mixed messages, micromanage, criticise, and don't have your back when you need it most. You try to please, but nothing you do is right. If you're listening to this, which leader are you? And having experienced both, I recognise how critical it will be during this period of working from home, regardless of how good technology is, your overall mood will likely be influenced by how you interact with your leader and each other. Can you think of a time now when you worked from home leading your team remotely? How was that for you? If not, do you know anyone that does that you can reach out to to ask for advice and guidance? Maybe now is a great time to enlist a mentor. These are unprecedented times and it's not about having all of the answers, rather asking the questions about what will be different for our people that are not interacting with their teams on a regular basis face to face. When you think about all the people that you interact with on a day to day basis, some just in passing, how does this support you to do your role? Do you need to make a list of those people that you need to stay connecting with during this time away from the office? I wonder from a change perspective, what the change curve will be for people, the impact of the social separation. Are our people in the first phases of shock or denial or are we moving quickly through to acceptance? I don't know and I don't have the answers at this stage. What I do anticipate from those I've interacted with that are facing working from home for the next 14 days or are already working from home is that there is an emotional state that is unfolding. 
As leaders and employees, we need to acknowledge this and explore it to understand what is happening and how best we can all be supported. So here's the scenario brought home to me last week when a number of my clients, ex-colleagues, friends advised me that they'd been warned that they needed to prepare to work from home or opened an email that instructed them to pack up and go home to self-isolate for two weeks. This is happening across the globe and this scenario is upon us. How prepared is your organisation, not from a technology perspective, from a wellbeing perspective? To be clear, I'm not a coronavirus expert. I'm an experienced HR and OD professional and an expert in my own well-being. I recognise great leadership when I see it and the impact that that has on productivity, engagement, culture and well-being. My thoughts today are how as leaders do you support your teams and how as team members do you support each other to have a successful, healthy, productive and isolating experience? Let's start with five questions to ponder. What are the five things that you need to be successful working from home for two weeks straight or more? Have you asked this of yourself and your team? These are not nice to haves. I liken it to my first experience of Agile. I'd arrived in a new country into a new job. My husband was still overseas and I find myself in a small team where my leader loved to work in the library to get stuff done and my other colleague in the focus area where no talking was allowed. Yes, there were other people I could connect with, but I also needed to achieve my deadlines and the only people who had those in common were my immediate team. We had shared goals, but I only talked to them once a week. As a new person, I had questions and I valued the discussion to work problems through and I was missing that. I openly asked to have the conversation about my need to feel connected and to build meaningful relationships. And together we worked out a plan that met all our needs. It's important that you ask for what you need. No contact from your leader or a text. It may not be enough. Maybe FaceTime could be a great way to connect. What else do you need to contract with your leader and your team about how you're all going to operate? It's great to explore why you would like to operate that way over the next period so that everyone is clear about each other's needs and can agree expectations. When I talk about contracting, it's the flip chart, whether that's real or virtual, that is used at the start of a workshop to capture how people would like to operate. It becomes a reference point that can be referred back to, to ensure that the team are respecting each other, one person talking at a time having time within the agenda to call out issues and problem solve, time to celebrate success. Whatever it may be, it's an agreed contract of how you're going to operate and behave. Question two, what are the five wellbeing activities that you need to do to keep well and feeling like your tank is topped up? I want to introduce you to the five winning ways to wellbeing that I now live by that are etched in my brain and in my heart. This research has identified five simple things that we can do and when practiced regularly will build your resilience and boost your well-being. The research was developed for the New Economics Foundation in the UK back in the 90s and I was first introduced to this research in 2012 after moving to Christchurch by the Mental Health Foundation and over time it became the foundation of our wellbeing programme which was recognised as a finalist in the UK by the internationally recognised CIPD for Best Health and Wellbeing Initiative.
This is a huge opportunity. I've developed workshops using strength-based coaching approaches to help individuals and teams identify what actions they can put in place to connect with themselves and each other, keep learning and embrace new experiences, be active to move your body and move your mood, to take notice of what gives you joy, and to give your time, your words, and your presence to others. I don't have time to go into this detail now, but I will bring to life to you through some examples below. How have I adapted them to the scenarios that we face into? For example, if you used to commute to work, what will you do with that time now? Stay in bed, that's one option. But that opens up a whole new conversation about sleep and circadian rhythms, which is not my area of expertise, but I'm fully aware from the latest research how important sleep is to how productive we are each day. And it's taken me some time to work out my rhythm and stick to it. But that, as I said, is a whole nother conversation. When I, what I want to ask is that you take a moment to recognise that your work environment has changed and that your day will now look different than it did in the office. You have a choice to bumble along and do the best that you can or to look at this as an opportunity to develop and flourish and to take the time to make a plan. It reminds me of when I first worked from home. I was home office based and supported a region back in the UK and on reflection no one sat down with me to help me work out what a good day looked like. I used to fall out of bed into the shower into the kitchen to prepare breakfast and then sat at my desk eating breakfast for the whole day. I only moved to eat dinner when my husband arrived home after he'd prepared it and would then head back into my office to finish things off before shutting down and going straight to bed. It took years to work out that I needed regular breaks. I even, down the line, adopted a walking out of the house and back in at the start of the day and the end of the day to get some closure. Some days I slept in and would be caught out by the early morning call from a colleague that I would take in which resulted in me not managing to get out of my pyjamas due to how busy the days were. I had no boundaries and I was always available. It raises the question, will you need a new structure? If so, what will your new structure be? Or what new rituals will you create to ensure that you have a productive, successful day and maintain your energy levels? Let's look at the commuting time as the example in more detail. How can you fill that time? What options or ideas do you have? This is not about me telling you what to do. It's about recognising that the five ways to well-being, when they're alive and active in your life, they boost well-being and mental resilience. So how can you use that time in the morning to incorporate the five ways? For me, I love to walk around the park, practice yoga, write a gratitude journal or complete my morning pages. It's not possible to achieve all of those every morning, but I choose what to do based on how I'm feeling and pursue that. Let me share with you a little more detail and raise a question for each of the five ways. Keep learning. What new experiences will you intentionally embrace this week? Think holistically. Because you're not commuting home, you may now have time to cook that new recipe for dinner. Maybe not a pasta dish unless you've been lucky enough to find some. Connect. How will you ensure that you feel connected to yourself and others? When you talk, you feel heard and listened to. And when you're listening to others, that you're doing so intently. 
What are the things that you're going to do to connect to your tribe of people, teammates, friends and family? Be active. How will you be active? Will it look like a regular stretch break? Will it look like dancing between calls to lift your energy levels? Or will you take that break to walk in the park and eat your lunch in a different location? Give. What are the random acts of kindness that you can carry out? It's as easy as a compliment to someone for their contribution on a call or offering to help. Take notice. What are you grateful for? Do you have a gratitude practice? How could a gratitude practice benefit you at this time? And what gives you joy? Find time to do them to keep you feeling well, boost your immunity and reduce your stress levels. For example, maybe watching the news or listening to it on repeat is not giving you joy. Make a decision when you will turn it off and notice how that has impacted your mood. You may get inspiration from people you follow on Instagram or things that have worked for you in the past. I follow Chelsea Pottinger and her top wellbeing tips. A standout for me is how your brain is working in the first eight minutes when you wake up. It's important to fill that time with enriching, loving and grateful thoughts to set you up for success in the day ahead. I was introduced to Chelsea through Let's Connect Women and I'm very grateful. Question three, who are the five people in your life that you reach out to that contribute to your life in a positive way? Who's on your support team? My motto is to surround yourself with great people. And when things get frustrating and you feel that it is much harder to work because you don't have two or three monitors or Skype keeps dropping out because there's so much background noise from traffic or people are using hoovers and blenders in the background or feeling exhausted from being on a lot more calls than you're used to, working with clients who are not used to working from home or have not yet applied the work from home rule or the feeling like you're having to justify everything that you're doing to your current line manager. The five people must be able to play a role that helps you move from anger and frustration to feeling positive and like you can put in place actions to move things forward. There is a time and place to feel heard and to express yourself in regards to how you're feeling. It's important that you can acknowledge that and find a way to let that go and to move on productively. Question four, how do you give your time, words and presence to others during this time? Are you okay day is not just one day. Who are the five people that you will check in on this week? And how will you achieve that? Will a text be enough? Have you familiarised yourself with the support available to you? Examples would be the Employee Assistance Programme or the great work that Beyond Blue do. Question five, what kind of leader or work colleague will you be during this time of working remotely for a longer period of time? Ask yourself and take the time to identify what your five strengths are that you will bring to this challenge that you're facing into and what are the five watch outs that you need to be aware of. We cannot expect everyone we interact with to be used to dealing with and working remotely or to be fully embracing this change request positively. How will you know that you're being the best version of yourself, for yourself and for others? What ideas do you have bubbling now that you can talk about with others to make, to form part of your plan? Maybe within each team, catch-up time is given to check in how everyone is doing, to identify what's working well 
and be open to the discussion to discuss what is not and committing to making changes or trying new ways of doing things. We've all jumped on calls with those who are low in mood and have impacted the whole productivity of that call. If this is you, adopt a simple technique of focusing on your breath to bring yourself back into the moment. Or we've all seen those quotes, dance like no one is watching. Well, guess what? Nobody is. So play Taylor Swift, shake it out, or walking on sunshine, or your favorite tune, and move your body and feel how it moves your mood. Get ready and set your intent for the next call or piece of work so you feel refreshed. So the takeaway from the podcast today Start by using the five questions above to start a discussion either one-on-one or in a group. What comes up? Remember, you don't have to have all the answers. What you need is the ability to ask more open questions, be curious, provide a safe environment where you've contracted to keep this dialogue open and work collaboratively to find solutions. Create that inclusive environment. We all love an acronym, so I've taken COVID and created a framework for you to share with your leaders and your employees. So C, contract with your team and individuals what this period will look like and how you will address the problems, issues, celebrate success or whatever comes to mind. Is it within a conference call or a one-on-one? How do you create a safe environment for people to share? O, opportunity. What are the opportunities to incorporate well-being into your working from home day? And how do you create space to talk about it with your team and your leader? V for vulnerable. Who are the most vulnerable on your team? Or are you feeling vulnerable? Do they or do you know what support is available? And if you're really struggling, do you have a bespoke plan in place to support you at this time? I for insight. Have you made time in your day? to reflect on the valuable insights that you've gained from interactions on how you're feeling about your day. Recognise what is frustrating you and working well so that you can check in with others to put a plan in place to address or amend the plan that's already in place. You need to be agile, things are moving at speed and it's important that we have that ability to refresh which could come back to the contracting. Insight's the corporate turn of phrase. I would use intuition myself. I trust it, sit with it and call it out for discussion. The chances are if you're feeling a certain way, then someone else will be too. And D for decision. Make a decision to be open to change, to have an open mindset and an open heart, to put the changes in place that are needed and to take on board the feedback and to keep tweaking as we go through this time of uncertainty. The idea is that you explore these options as a team, find ways to keep the fun in the team and keep building and growing your tribe. For more information, you can download the five ways to wellbeing at work toolkit from the Mental Health Foundation in New Zealand, or please reach out to find out more about my strength-based coaching workshop that can be used by your leaders and champions within teams to promote wellbeing during this time of uncertainty. Thank you.